we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. My name is Matthew Mayer, filling in for Walker Wildman. Honored again to have the privilege to do so. I believe this is my fourth time on air. Hopefully my voice is familiar to some of you out there. So let me give you a quick update because I had the honor to be in studio last week in Tupelo, Mississippi. I got to go into American Family Association's headquarters, not only the radio station part of it, but even their new building, their new offices to see what the Lord is going to be doing as a launch pad for transforming culture for such a time as this. I got to spend some time with the guys of today's issues on the air, really just talking about my trip while I was in Tupelo, Mississippi, and of course, spent some time with Walker on his show, this show, The Core, and I guess I want to tell you guys, Southern Hospitality outdid themselves once again. I'll tell you how, from leaving New Jersey, it was early Friday morning, I got done preaching here at my church in Ocean City, New Jersey on a Thursday night, got home, had not packed yet, my intention was to pack and then obviously get some rest and make it to the airport Friday morning for this trip. Unfortunately, got home and felt a wave of nausea come over me. So here I am, keeled over on my bed, got the cold sweats coming upon me, and I could not even move, couldn't pack. I woke up at like 2 a.m., tried to throw some clothes into a bag so that I can make my early morning flight, And I did just that, struggled my way through, got to the airport, was shivering because it was freezing on the flight, got to Tupelo, Mississippi, and of course, got to the host house where I was staying, and they told me to just get some rest. Got to get some rest. Interestingly, in full-time ministry, that's hard to come by. Everything seems to happen so quick from week to week and day to day, and I had to go to Mississippi from New Jersey to get some rest. Thankful for that. And then the next morning when I woke up, I felt a lot stronger, but to my surprise, the community there in Tupelo, a lot of the church folk from tons of different churches in the area, but I think a majority were from the First Baptist Church of Tupelo, they gathered at the host house and prayed me forward. It was an amazing expression of spiritual hospitality as it pertains to being part of God's family. And I believe in that moment, feeling so weak, that became the position and posture that God used to show off his strength. Had several opportunities, church functions, sharing my testimony, which by the way, you can learn more about who I am and what the Lord has done in my life at truthovertrend.com, truthovertrend.com. You can see my testimony and it'll probably help you understand the passion and conviction by which I'll be talking with you guys today on a certain thread, but I digress, and it was that launch pad of prayer and support that sent me forward to do churches, 
to do some public schools, even telling my testimony in those sectors, a couple FCA events, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and then eventually a few county jail opportunities. One, I'll never forget this because I did five pods, had no idea what to expect in each pod, knowing each pod would have its own type of dynamic and culture. I walk into this pod and a group of inmates didn't seem ready for what was about to happen. I mean, they were scattered out. They were aware that a ministry group was coming in and I was going to teach a lesson. And as I began explaining who I am and why I'm there, you kind of got some of their attentions. I'll never forget on the top bunk, a younger guy. And I began to teach out of Luke 15, which is known as the parable of the prodigal son. At least that's what man has chosen to title it. But it's more importantly, the parable of the love of the father. I think that's more appropriate because there's two lost sons in that account. And I started talking about the younger son taking what the father gave him and living recklessly and using what the what the father had given him and wasting it in the world. And he came to this point where he's down and out and he is in a pig pen and he's rehearsing this prayer to return. And you might know this account if you were raised in the church. And as I'm getting into it, this county jail inmate, he begins to interrupt. In fact, he begins to parrot the passage, not verbatim, not verse by verse, but in paraphrase fashion, he begins to talk about the younger son. And he was doing it in such a way that I think he was trying to be funny while at the same time trying to be a, be a distraction. But I watched him intently and I realized that there was something going on in his soul. I quickly took control of the moment, continued the lesson, got to the father receiving the prodigal son's return, and I'll never forget what I saw next. That same young inmate on that top bunk, there were tears strolling down his cheek. And what seemed to be a distraction, him trying to possibly deflect what was going on in his soul, suppress perhaps something that was touching a chord, turned to be the opportunity for the love of God to penetrate. And he began to weep. And I'm talking about the son doing his worst against the father and shaming the father's name, and yet the father received the son with a hug, with restoration, wrapping him in a robe, putting the ring back on his finger, the sandals on his feet, and then turning to the servants and saying, let's have a party. Here's my son. He was gone. He's back. He was dead. He lives. He was lost. He's found. And that's a paraphrase. And this inmate began to cry. And I recognized in that moment, that is typical of the world. People might say they know the Bible, might be able to quote the Bible. They, by and large, would like to be distracted from the truths of the Bible. So they live their life suppressing that feeling inside, that ache, that pain, that hole in the soul. And yet, when the church and the Christian, that's you and I, when we preach the gospel or live the gospel or exemplify the good news of God, his grace, that saves us in spite of us. What you would witness is what I witnessed. Hearts being opened. Had the opportunity to to engage that young man afterwards and just ask him about that moment, and that's exactly what happened. He needed to know there was a father in heaven who loved him in spite of where he was. He was a lawbreaker, truth be told. And yet, we often look at those in those environments as if they're unredeemable, and that's not true at all because all of us are lawbreakers. And whether we end up in a place like prison or correctional facilities, we all are broken and in desperate need of a Savior. 
and only the love of Christ can salvage us. That's the role and goal of every Christian. One other opportunity I had while I was in Tupelo, Mississippi, they brought me into the First Baptist Church at Tupelo to have a Q&A with a group of women who do a Bible study based on one of the books that I wrote. I'll tell you the title up front. It has framed my example as a Christian. It's, you may be the only Bible somebody reads. You may be the only Bible somebody reads. And of course, the title lends itself to a heart check for us to remember people are watching us, they're reading us, they're scrutinizing us. Yes, they're even critiquing us, but we should live our faith in such a way that we reflect Christ. Like Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And here I am in the setting with a room filled with women asking questions. I'm answering them. And I got to be honest with you, I was more intimidated in a room filled with women for those 55 minutes answering their questions than I was intimidated in a room filled with crazy prison guys. But not just that trip that I was on. Here's something you might not know if you're a new listener. I spent 55 months in prison myself, and I was more intimidated in a room with women for 55 minutes than I was in prison with crazy men for 55 months, and that's no joke. I was intimidated. I answered their questions. It was a great time of fellowship. Just wanted to share with our listeners out there that I spent time in Tupelo, Mississippi. It was a great reminder of why I'm in ministry full-time, why I share the gospel, to see hearts change. And that's what we need most today. You're probably tuning into different news cycles, whether it's social media, whether it's other news outlets, and the world we live in is fallen, and it's only getting worse. It's only picking up pace. In fact, last time I was on the core, I talked about birth pangs, contractions, and seeing a world that is completely in defiance against God. And we need to have a biblical worldview, and that's why I love what Walker and his team are doing here on the show, they're constantly bringing up current events, different news cycles, and encouraging us, the Christian, to see it from a biblical world view. Because if I can't see it that way, then I'm going to be just as confused and just as disoriented about what's happening around me. Consider the law of gravity, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody would defy the law of gravity. Well, people do, but nobody would argue about the law of gravity. The law of gravity is what goes up must come down. We know that. It's what keeps us planted on planet Earth. When you're taking some steps down a staircase, it's the law of gravity that gets you to the next step. If you're on a balcony or if you're on a deck, if you decide to willingly step over those boundaries or the guardrail that keeps you on that deck, you will suffer consequences. Nobody would argue or try to change the law of gravity. In fact, we obey the law of gravity. Now, transition to the spiritual lens. What we're seeing is a world that is defying the law of God, which is just as absolute as the law of gravity. Boundaries are being pushed and transgressed. Guardrails are being trespassed over. And people are receiving the consequences of those decisions. They can try to justify it and say, you know what? I'm not going to live by absolute truth. Don't put your truth on me. I'll live by my truth. But there's still consequences, and the consequences that we're seeing in our world are not only localized, they're also nationalized. We're seeing it at the highest level in our government, the pushing of boundaries further and further, the transgressing of these divine orders that God has established for his people, for humans, really, 
And those divine orders are for the flourishing of humanity and society. So for the rest of our time today, I want to encourage us to see our posture, our position in regards to when government becomes godless, to encourage you to know it is possible, yes, it is possible to be governed by God, that's what we're responsible for, in the midst of an ungodly government, in the midst of government policies that seemingly are contradictory to the biblical standards, and they're going further and further, but we can still be governed by a God who sees us, loves us, and has given us his word to help govern us. But let me correct something here, because I believe over the decades that we've seen this very fast fall away from God's order, it's because the Christians and the church have thoughtlessly submitted to every institution, believing this is the proper way because of Romans 13. You might have heard this on the segment before, I'm sure, every time Rick Green is on the air, he makes mention to our governmental framework, and he's passionate about getting us to see from a biblical lens, a constitutional lens, and of course, how we navigate our times. I believe many have been led to believe in faulty submission to every institution because of faulty exegesis. And I'm a pastor, so I take responsibility of what comes out of my mouth from the pulpit. It should be grounded in the Word. Yes, the Scriptures absolutely command us, every believer, to obey what God has appointed unless, unless what God has appointed has been corrupted. And this is where we get it wrong. When government is absent of God, government policies, laws, when it's absent of God, the governance that follows will be an affront to God. It will be an abomination to God. And here's why. And this is what we have to understand. Godless governments think they are God. And they become the puppet of the great tyrant. The great tyrant being Lucifer himself. The first great one who rebelled against God. Go backwards before you go forward. Since the inception of the church of Jesus Christ in the first century... The government has always been the church's most ruthless antagonist and merciless persecutor. Go through it. The terror of the Roman Empire, the emperors who murdered and martyred millions of Christians, the marks throughout the Middle Ages, same song, same dance, the diabolical dictators like Mao, Stalin, Lenin, Hitler. How about the late Saddam Hussein who was murdering Christians? These dictators have always been used as the long arm of Lucifer. And we have to understand the world we live in. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Acts 17.26 conveys to us the reality that we were born and placed in the 21st century by God's specific design. He determined before time where we would live and when we would live there. If you're in Minnesota, Mississippi, or Maine, God put you there on purpose. He's not surprised by the darkness we see around us, nor is he caught off guard by it. In fact, he specifically prepared for it by making sure you're alive right now. God can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen to use you and me as ambassadors of his kingdom. We are his torches to light up the darkness. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. For girls seeking validation, labels are everything. Once upon a time, children classified themselves as popular or nerdy or even a jock. But today, the identity of our youth is being recognized on a much deeper, much more fundamental level. For some, the process of self-discovery leads them away from the truth of their creation and into a spiral of doubt and confusion. When gender terms suddenly fit the way she feels, a girl can rest her identity in that of a label, defining herself in a way that conforms to the mold created by her culture. The most important reminder you can offer your girl is that our ultimate identifier is child of God. Colossians 3.12 reminds us that we are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. Let those labels reign supreme over all the rest. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity Worship Wednesday, that is Hymn of Heaven by Phil Wickham. That is Hymn, H-Y-M-N, of Heaven. But also, we should focus on Hymn of Heaven, H-I-M, and that's what the song is about, focusing on 
our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, some of the lyrics that really struck me as I was listening, when death will be no more. There's a day that's coming where death will be no more. And of course, in light of Holy Week, which is upon us, we're going to be looking at some of the more celebratory days in our Christian tradition, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and as we call it, Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus that validates Jesus's life and everything he said, that death will be no more. And that's why, as believers, we have a hope that is beyond our circumstances, beyond our lives, and we need to share that with the world around us. And another line in the song, worthy is the lamb who was slain, because that's what it's about. On Good Friday, worthy is the lamb. Hey, here's something interesting for us to consider. You want to read the Bible in one day, and even in one minute? Here's how you do it. You look at Genesis 22, verse 7, with a question from Isaac to his father Abraham, and Abraham was told to sacrifice his son, and right when he's about to do it, Isaac says, Father, where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide himself the lamb. So there's the question, where's the lamb? And it echoes throughout the scriptures into the New Testament when John the Baptist in John 1, 29 answers that question, where's the lamb? John says, behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And then, of course, anyone from anywhere who's done anything at any time that believes that, that lamb of God who takes away their sin, they are saved and born again. And one day in heaven, we will be singing, worthy is the lamb who is slain. That's Revelation 5, verse 12. Where's the lamb? Behold the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. That's Worship Wednesday. Hymn of Heaven by Phil Wickham. My name is Matthew Mayer, filling in for Walker Wildman. Please forgive me in the last segment if I seem to be talking directly into our bumper and it might have cut off. I didn't hear our cues here, but I wanted to encourage us with our time left together about our posture and position as Christians in light of what we're seeing as government becoming godless more and more. But there's hope, even though there's an enemy who's very real, who has the entire world under the sway of his influence. First John 5, 19, Jesus even called him the ruler of this world. That's John 12, 31. Paul would pen that he's the God of this age. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And even again in Ephesians 2, 2, he's the prince of the power of the air. There's a real enemy. So here's the question. If the enemy wants to do his greatest damage, what stream would he swim in to do it? Well, the answer, the governmental stream. It's the political stream. It's why Christians should engage in civil discourse and civil responsibility. Again, government apart from God will always seek to become God, and that is why they seek to take away rights that only God gives. God gives us these rights, and yet... Godless rulers seek to take away these rights. Good news in our cycle of news took place last Wednesday in light of government seeking to become God and removing any standards of God. There was a case in Finland which involved two individuals, a Finnish member of parliament. Walker brought her up last week as well, Pavi Razanin and a Lutheran bishop, Johanna Pohola. Both were acquitted of charges last week in their religious freedom case. This took place on Wednesday. But get this, the charges stem back to a 2004 pamphlet that had biblical language in it. It was, again, resurfaced in a discussion on a radio show by Pavi in 2019, and then she was charged with hate speech because of a tweet that went against the LGBTQIA plus agenda. Recently, 
she was on trial, so the Bible was on trial, just to put it into the right context, and one of the individuals that was helping her, Lorcan Price of the Alliance Defending Freedom International, that is an amazing organization that helps those that are being persecuted for either their faith, religious freedom, or even their speech and religious um, context. And this is what he said. He said, this should serve as a chilling effect on free speech around the world. Any attempt to erode freedom of expression and to criminalize speech leads to situations where you find clearly oppressive measures being taken against individuals for expressing their religious beliefs in public spaces. Pavi was quoted as saying, that's why we must use our freedoms. Think about that. If you don't use your freedoms, they're going to be taken away because they're already being taken away even though people are using these freedoms. Because the more we are silent about our beliefs, the more we are silent about our convictions, the narrower the space becomes for these freedoms. Now, that's in Finland. That's in Western civilization. How does it apply to us? Well, in the American context, these antichrist rulers, they use our freedom to destroy our freedom. That's their strategy. Think about that. Using our very God-given freedoms to destroy our God-given freedoms. That's their strategy. And the latest attack is you're considered a bigot if you hold to biology. Biology? That there's two genders, male and female? And I think that's why when you consider a question that was asked recently to an actual nominee to the Supreme Court, Kentanji Brown Jackson, a very basic fundamental question that just shows you the state of where we're at in our world. Check this out. You probably heard it. Listen to clip number three. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law, and I decide. Well, so I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Yes, you heard that correctly. A simple question to a Supreme Court nominee about defining a woman. Define the word woman, and she couldn't. And so many fit into this camp. They're unwilling to define what is basic biology. A woman is an adult female. And because we are seeing the complete collapse and disintegration of a nation through political activists who make their way into the political arena and even get nominated at the highest level in our court system, and that's why I love what Rick Green said last week. He said, we no longer have a constitution, we have a court-stitution, individuals who are making their way and completely contradicting our Constitution. Now, in case you're going, wait, what has the Constitution got to do with defining a woman? 
Well, in our Constitution, in our Declaration of Independence, in our Bill of Rights, all of these have Christian language. All of these are founded on the laws of nature and of nature's God. The laws of nature is the laws of morality. That's why we are able to quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, defined a man, are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, right, with absolute truth and certain unalienable rights, can't take them away, that among these are life as God defines it, liberty as God gives it, and of course, the pursuit of happiness. All throughout these documents, that's the first two paragraphs, and even the last paragraph in that document has biblical language. A lot of people don't want to agree to this. I'll read it for you. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. What is nature's law and nature's God? Well, America was built on it. Our forefathers sought to build one nation under God. That's the point. They purposely established legal codes on the foundation of natural law, like male-female differences. They believed that society should be governed by them. Even Thomas Jefferson said, by the moral law to which man has been subjected by his creator and of which his feelings or conscience, as it is sometimes called, are the evidence with which his creator has furnished him. The moral duties which exist between individual and individual in a state of a nature accompany them into a state of society. Their maker, not having released them from these duties on their forming themselves into a nation. And even nature's law or natural law or moral law governed the early court system. In the view of the court, its members were supposed to decide their cases based on divine providence bestowed upon them. And what we're seeing is a complete erosion of that process. And yes, as prefaced, our Constitution is under attack. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is not the only reason we should be pushing back. Now, this might shock some people, but we got to get back to our fundamentals in our faith. And our faith is not determined by the Bill of Rights. I'll be the first one to support the Bill of Rights, but our faith is determined by what the Bible says is right. Because there might come a day when the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence, the framework of our government, completely gets changed and dissolves, and yet the Christian is still left with a higher authority called the Bible, and what the Bible says is right, that's what I want to stand on. And yet, the more godless government becomes, the more Christians and the church need to push back and need to speak up and we need to stand on absolute truth. I don't know if you knew this or not, but during the 1930s, right before Hitler would rise to power and eventually the Nazis would start off World War II and the result would be millions of lives lost, there were certain strategies that were similar to what we're seeing to, to happen today. Strategy, strategies such as taking God out of the government, contradicting truth in such a way that you are leaving people disoriented and confused for it. And Romans 13 was one of the most preached verses and sections of the Bible during that time of human history. Pastors and pulpits were telling their congregants they should subject themselves to government at all costs. Do not push back. Do not speak out. That is God's 
ordinance and they've misapplied it. Like I said earlier, people have been led to believe this because of faulty exegesis, the way that ministers have misapplied Romans 13. I don't want to teach it. I want to remind us that Romans 13 has a divine appointment within it. And the divine appointment is that government and other legal institutions are there for two reasons. The first, restrain evil. The second, sustain good. The first, restraining evil, holding evil back. People should fear the government's authority because they punish evil. And the second, sustain good. They honor those that are doing good. But here's what happens. A governing authority forfeits their divine appointment when their policies contradict the divine design of government. And when you begin to see that happening, you begin to see the consequences, like I said earlier, when you defy the law of gravity, there are going to be consequences for overstepping that type of boundary. Similarly, when we defy the laws of God, there will certainly be consequences for overstepping those boundaries. Did you know that Proverbs 16.12 gives us a great warning about a king's wickedness? It's called an abomination for a king to commit wickedness, and that is why a throne is established by righteousness, right order, right standing, right policy, but an abomination to anyone in a position of authority who commits wickedness. Why? Because there's ripple effects, like a domino taking out an entire stack. One person's decisions can affect the masses, and that's why this is of great importance for such a time as this. We're seeing some of our leaders and politicians who are parroting and puppeting these unbiblical, ungodly narratives, so much so that we would support the eventual nomination of a judge who cannot define the word woman. This is unbelievable, but I don't want you to have no hope in these times. I want you to have great hope in these times. When we come back, we're going to talk about some practical ways to stand for truth and to get involved in a way where we can transform our culture for such a time as this. This is AFA at the core. My name is Matthew Mayer, filling in for Walker Wildman. When we come back, we'll continue our thread. Disney caved. After stating Disney wouldn't take sides on the parental rights and education bill, CEO Bob Chapek caved to the LGBTQ's pressure. He has now affirmed Disney's support for gay rights, but that wasn't enough. In the upcoming Disney Pixar film Lightyear, a lesbian kissing scene that was initially cut has been put back in. This is a blatant attempt to indoctrinate our children, and we need to speak up now. Sign the pledge to boycott Lightyear at afa.net. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this, and that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks. 
the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. thegodwhospeaks.org The communist government has spoken. There's no room for Christianity within the walls of China. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and the man named Katsu is an evangelical pastor, a little more than 50. He serves outside of Beijing. I won't identify his village. But I would guess he has been beaten in jail 25 times over the course of his ministry. Most recently, they beat him so severely he could not get up for a week. They let him go and told him to never speak of Jesus again. About a week later, a knock came on his door. He was somewhat reluctant to open it, but he found Hayo the bitter atheist interrogator who beat him terribly had one question that burned in his heart all week long why were you at such peace when we were beating you so Katsu would open his door open his Mandarin Bible and lead this bitter atheist to faith in Christ together they've witnessed thousands coming to Christ who all need Bibles in China at five dollars a Bible would you call 800 yes word 800 yes word 800 yes word or give at sendbiblesnow.org that's sendbiblesnow.org work. Steve Russo with Real Answers. Did you know the head of a company survived 9-11 because his son started kindergarten? Another man is alive because it was his turn to bring donuts. One woman was late because her alarm clock didn't go off in time. Another person went back home to answer the telephone. There was a man who put on a new pair of shoes that morning, headed for work, but before he got there, he developed a blister on his foot. The man stopped at a drugstore to buy a Band-Aid. That's why he's alive today. Now, when we're stuck in traffic, miss an elevator, turn back to answer a ringing phone, all those little things that annoy us, we should consider that this may be where God wants us to be at this very moment. Rather than getting frustrated, we need to remember God's watching over us with the little things. Mistakes may be just a decision away. You need real answers. Steve Russo has resources that can help. Check out his website at realanswers.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. My name is Matthew Mayer. If you're just tuning in, I'm filling in for Walker Wildman, coming to you from South Jersey, New Jersey. Honored to be in this position to share truth with you. We're talking about the possibility to be governed by God, a God who is sovereign in the midst of ungodly government. And as we see the way of the world, the culture becoming more godless and lawless, what does that mean for us believers that see it with a biblical worldview? Well, we call out error when we see it. We stand on truth, even if there's going to be consequences and even if we're going to be oppressed or even persecuted. Remember, Proverbs 16.12 tells us it's an abomination for a king or a ruler or a politician or a president to commit wickedness because of the impact it has on so many different layers of society. Different than just an average Joe committing wickedness. That's just as bad, but not necessarily as impactful than President Joe committing wickedness. Listen to this clip. might be just as astonishing as the clip we showed in the last segment. But listen to this clip on Transgender Day from the highest voice in the United States of America. Run clip four. To everyone celebrating Transgender Day of Visibility, 
I want you to know that your president sees you. Jill, Kamala, Doug, our entire administration sees you for who you are, made in the image of God and deserving of dignity, respect, and support. But we know it's hard when there are those out there who don't see you and don't respect you. For example, the onslaught of anti-transgender state laws attacking you and your families is simply wrong. This administration is standing up for you against all these hateful bills. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom, on the playing field, at work, in our military, in our housing and healthcare systems, everywhere, simply everywhere. Today, we're announcing even more steps, but there's always more work to do to end the epidemic of violence against transgender women of color and girls of color, to ensure transgender seniors can age with dignity, dignity, and to finally pass a bipartisan Equality Act to help transgender persons around the world live free from discrimination and violence. Above all, to be there with you. To parents of transgender children, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. To any transgender American who's struggling, please know that you're not alone. To parents and children alike, please ask for help and know this, you're so brave, you belong, and we have your back. God bless you all. Be brave. Gosh, did you hear how he ended it? God bless you all. That's the opposite of what God would bless, and it should break our hearts. The whole thing's a big contradiction. Transgender women? Well, that's kind of a contradiction when you consider the definition of a woman. Yeah, we're back there again, defining a woman, female, adult. But the worst thing that a parent could do is affirm their child's identity confusion. I think it was on Monday, Walker had on Dr. Patrick Lappert, forgive me for mispronouncing that, but fascinating, his ability to see it up close and personal, the damage that's being done in the name of equality and gender justice and the affirmation of confusion, really, and brokenness in the soul. And he's like, you can't provide physical medicine for an emotional problem. And that was profound because that's what's happening. And he even said 80 plus percent of individuals of our youth who are struggling with what gender they are, it usually course corrects after they hit puberty because that's how God has designed us. There's going to be questions. My little daughter runs around my house thinking she's a different princess every single day, like literally. And yet she's not. But I don't tell her that's what she is. So when we have the loudest voice and the highest voice in the land, the president, affirming a lie, you're seeing exactly where we're at and why God would judge a nation. When you begin to see any institution, from the diabolical policies of a schoolhouse to the tyrannical politics of the White House, when you see these institutions no longer honoring good and punishing evil, you're actually seeing something inversed that welcomes a curse. See Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You can even replace some of these. Woe to those who call a man a woman and a woman a man. Woe to them. So should a believer in Christ submit to something that God calls a woe? No. We are called to be obedient to truth at all costs, not compliant to lies. I'm going to walk you through what I see as the ideology of godless governments. What are they after? What are they up to? What is the enemy doing behind the scenes? 
Well, one verse in the book of Daniel tells us the ideology of godless governments. Daniel 6.5, we shall find no charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. When Christians understand their heavenly citizens on earth, of course, we're going to be law-abiding, we're going to be upstanding, and yet the only way godless governments can get at a Christian or the church is to bring laws that contradict the law of our God. And that is why we must keep our eyes on the Equality Act. The Equality Act might not be in the news cycle, but it's there on the back burner. And in light of the parental rights in education law that was signed forth by Governor DeSantis in Florida, and that's kind of what's caused people in an uproar. They call it the don't say gay law, and that's what made President Biden make this video affirming transgenders and calling any legislation that is going against them as hateful. And meanwhile, those legislations are protecting them and giving the rights to parents, not the schools, not the school's indoctrination camps to confuse these little kids about sexual identity and sexual orientation. So the Equality Act, it needs to be considered because I'll tell you what, I guarantee you we'll see it being rammed down the Senate's throat all over again, and you're going to see a lot of people and lobbying, posturing, trying to get the Equality Act passed in light of some of these other pro-family and pro-children legislations that we're seeing in Ohio, potentially in Texas. The Equality Act at its core is really an attack on numerous legal and constitutional principles and biblical, let's not forget that, which form the foundation on which our nation rests, as said earlier. That's freedom of speech, that's freedom of religion. The Equality Act will be an attack on all citizens. No one is safe from this, especially those who hold to a biblical worldview of creation and biology and the human person as a whole. How does it do it? It elevates sexual orientation and gender identity to the status of a protected class. So, of course, protected class would include gender, males or females. We've you know, seen over the decades the, the rights of women being elevated, and that's right, and that's good. But now you got a man who says he's a woman, and he's able to play the woman's sport and dominate, and we've seen that. We've seen that in the past couple weeks. Transgender saying he's a woman, winning the national championship in swimming. This is the danger. A man can go into a woman's bathroom. A woman can go into a man's bathroom. This is the danger. And yet the government is propagating these godless legislations. The Equality Act will install an extreme gender ideology as an official doctrine of the United States government at every single level. This is the ideology of godless governments. This is what they're seeking to do. They seek to contradict truth. Step number one, they seek to control the news. Step number two, they seek to bring conflict to groups. Step number three, and they seek to convert our youth. Step number four, they contradict you, the truth with weapons of mass indoctrination beginning at the earliest of ages. Did you know that Hitler himself said in order to take over the country, he'd have to get the minds of the youth? He even made the statement, quote, the state would have to be scrubbed clean of Christian convictions and values. That came from Adolf Hitler's mouth. Scrub the state clean of any Christian convictions and values. Why? Because those that submit to a higher authority would be hard to control by a godless governmental authority. If you can contradict the truth and then have a megaphone like our media, 
to be able to propagate these lies, you get the controlling of every messaging and narrative. I've said this before on the show, six media giants alone control 90% of what we read, watch, or listen to. 90% of the outlets are controlled by six media giants. Everything that you're reading and listening to, that's why the show like The Core and all these other conservative Christian forums are extremely important to keep you well-informed from a biblical worldview. Let me read this quote. This is from the Minister of Propaganda of Hitler, Joseph Goebbels. I bet you heard the first part, and I bet you never heard the last part. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield it from the people, from the political, economic, and military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent, for the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Wow. The truth is the greatest enemy of the godless state. Censorship, canceling, and obviously repressing any dissent. If they can control the news and they can contradict truth, they can bring what we've seen, a conflict to groups. We've seen it. This is called traditional Marxism. There's a conflict between classes, rich versus poor. Pit them against each other. Bring chaos and then rise up and say you have the solution. We can pit the blacks versus the whites. The Nazi propaganda machine leveraged even man-made epidemics to justify quarantining the Jews. Did you know that? And this is what gave rise to the term a filthy Jew. They pit the people against each other ethnically. And I'm like, that's what's happening today, even with the present day vaxxed versus unvaxxed debate. And the government pits those two classes and those two types of um, decisions against each other. And you get complete division in a society. And ultimately, the goal, the chief aim, as we're seeing it so clearly, is to convert the youth. And if they can convert the minds of our youth, which they are succeeding, they can take the nation. This is all social conditioning, and social conditioning is a form of spiritual conforming, conforming to different ideologies and narratives. It's a sociological process of training individuals, a group at large, to broadly accept something that their peers accept. And when you look out, people are often sheeple who blindly accept what's lethal when not shepherded by the Bible. The Bible needs to be what shepherds us for such a time as this. So consider Proverbs 28.1 to encourage you, the righteous are bold as a lion. So riddle me this, why are lions complying with those who are lying? If we're lions and we're bold, we do not comply. We do not bow down to godless policies. We speak out. We stand on truth. This is the case in Daniel 3. Three young Hebrew boys, unwilling to bow down, even though everybody around them was doing it. So when the state says, stop worshiping, I wonder what the real Christian will do. This is the case in Daniel 6, when he was told, stop praying. And it says he went to his home, opened his windows, and prayed, even though he knew the writing or policy or law was signed. And he did that because it tells us, as was his custom since early days. So this isn't about like, getting defiant now and, and being rebels now. This is about being constant and consistent as believers now in light of the direction our world is going. This is about standing in the gap. This is about doing the next righteous thing and trusting God for the outcome and the consequences. 
This is about being like teachers named Tanner Cross, who was in our news cycle last year, for coming to his the board meeting and basically telling them as a teacher he will not affirm the pronouns of his students if it was opposite of their bio- biological order. And you know what they did to him? They suspended him. They attacked him, Tanner Cross, for standing on truth. And the reason I bring him up is because he was eventually vindicated. He was eventually given his job back by who? Guess who? The Virginia Supreme Court. Back to the court system because it matters who we nominate and and who we put in those positions. And it matters because these types of decisions need to be upheld. These are God's orders for man. Tanner Cross quoted this, I'm a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa, because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child. So yes, to speak the gospel unadulterated, to live a life that's gospel-regulated, it will open you up to being persecuted, and persecution is a mandate that you can, you can guarantee. 2 Timothy 3.12 those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So what do we do as believers for such a time as this? We stand on truth. We have the courage that the world needs to see, a courage and composure that comes to our posture and it informs our positions when we know the God who controls our future, our land, our families depend upon our willingness to take a stand, to be lights in a dark world, to be reminded God is for us. No one can be against us. This is AFA at the Core, reminding you to stand strong for such a time as this. My name is Matthew Mayer. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.